0: Welcome to this edition of The Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. Today, or tonight I should say, we are in week two of what we are calling the opposite spirit, where we are talking about how can we adopt an attitude that is different to the prevailing attitudes that are so often around us wherever we live or wherever we work. So many of us, I guess, sense something of the cynicism, of the doom and of the gloom and the negativity around that it can sometimes and in some ways pull us down and fill our hearts with the anxieties and fears and the depression of our world. Sometimes the prevailing attitudes of the world can rub off on us as followers of Christ. It is like we get sucked into the attitude of the world around us. But by adopting the opposite spirit, we have been looking and saying that we want to make sure that if we want to be a people who live differently, who think differently, who speak differently, and who even pray differently, then we need to move in the opposite spirit, whoever we are, wherever we go. I would love That's all to be thinking every day. How is it I can move in the opposite spirit? How can I live differently to the prevailing attitudes that I find myself in? If you were here last week, I have been hoping this past week that you have gotten up in the morning and that you've gone to bed each evening and you've had moments in your day when you have thought, how can I live? How can I move in the opposite spirit against that which I face on a day to day basis, how can I move differently in the circumstances that I find myself? Last week I said that we would take a high level view of the subject, and that the next three weeks we're going to dig in a little bit deeper and be a little bit more specific about certain areas that we can come against in the opposite spirit. So, therefore, tonight, I want us to look at what may be an unusual theme, the theme of blessing and cursing. It's one of those verses or those phrases that we read and move over quite quickly very often, not fully knowing what it means, blessing and cursing. And the foundational verse for this message today is Luke 6, and some of Jesus' most famous words spoken from his most famous sermon Luke 6, 27 and 28 says, But I say to you who are listening, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. I would like to suggest that if you are here today and you are struggling to understand this concept of moving in the opposite spirit, then these two verses give the most clear explanation that we could possibly have about what we're talking about. Jesus says, if you have an enemy, someone who hates you, someone who mistreats you, someone who dislikes you, do the opposite back to them. Love them, do good to them, bless them, and pray for them. And this is exactly what it means to move in the opposite spirit. And I'm suggesting that it is not an easy thing to do. It is not easy to love your enemy and pray for those who you know are against you. This stuff is not easy. But I'm also suggesting that our influence and our impact in the world will multiply exponentially if we choose to live and move in the opposite spirit. (coughs) So for today, I'm going to focus on those five words we find there in the middle, which simply say, bless those who curse you. Because if we can find a way to bless those who curse us, then we are really making some headways in our theme for these four weeks. Before we unpack what it is to bless someone, I wanna take a few minutes to look at the opposite of blessing, and that is to curse someone. We probably know that when Jesus uses this phrase or word curse, we know what he is not talking about. That's probably a good place to start. We probably know what he's not talking about. He's not talking about someone who lets out an expletive. He's not talking about someone who swears at you or swears about you. He's not talking about that type of curse. He is not talking about in that moment, and I have heard that it happens on occasions, that when someone... Get, cuts you up on the road by another driver, I and mean, you get cut up by another driver, or someone who stubs their toe, or someone doesn't save the work on the computer and they have to start all, all over again. I have heard that sometimes people swear when that happens, that they let out an explicit, expletive. Now, I'm not advocating that, and I'm not saying that I have ever done it, but that's not what we're talking about. Jesus is talking about those moments when we... Look at someone, and we wish they weren't there. Have you ever thought that about someone? You've looked at someone, and you've thought, I don't like you. Now just go away from me. It is that moment when we are more likely than not to think those things rather than say them out loud. We have that discretion. We have that wisdom that we don't say them out loud. Or you say actually to someone you are a real pain. You are really stupid or even worse words than that. This is what Jesus is talking about in this situation. It is when we want someone else to fail. It is when we don't want someone to experience God's best for them. There is something. There is sometimes something really dark in us that doesn't want someone else to succeed. We have a dark side that can draw, draw these thoughts out of us. Or there is that dark side of us that hates it when someone else or a certain person perhaps experiences joy when you don't. And in that dark moment, it's as if you want to sabotage their joy with your actions or your words and say things that are cutting and undermining and that just brings them down. This is what it means to curse someone. It is Saul in the Old Testament and it is Herod in the New Testament Saul was jealous of David's success, and you will know that Herod was threatened by a new baby king. Both occasions, through anger and violence, these two gentlemen wished to step in and destroy God's plan. This is the kind of thing that happens when you curse someone. It is an attempt to damage or suppress the good thing that God is doing in someone's life. It is to attack their identity. It is to attack their destiny. If you have been on the wrong end of this kind of cursing or this kind of behavior, you will know that it is not only damaging, it is very damaging when people speak to us like that. You will have felt something of the wound in your spirit and in your soul. And this can last for years. Sometimes it can last for a very long time. You have felt something of this wound wound when someone has said something to you specifically to destroy the good that God is doing in you and through you and to other people. Now, I know that I am not the only leader in this room. Some of you lead in business, some of you lead in education, in healthcare or agriculture and in industry, and you will know the joys of pain, joys and pain of leadership. You will know that you get letters, emails, and texts to encourage you, but you also get Letters, emails, and texts to criticize or discourage you. You'll know as a leader that this is the kind of thing that goes with the territory. But on occasions, occasionally, you will get correspondence that is not just there to, to gently criticize you or to say you've done something wrong there. But sometimes you get those emails, you get those correspondence, that they are really are a direct attempt to curse what God is doing in your life the curse, the good things that God is doing, that you are really useless and not up to your job at all, and phrases like that. I'm sure that most of us, if not all of us, have had people who have attacked us in such situations, who have attacked our value, who have attacked our identity, our sense of purpose, and these words come to us like a curse, and this is what Jesus is talking to. So often, then there is a wound in our hearts that is difficult to heal. And of course, we live in a culture that people can do this sort of thing freely, for example, on social media. They can curse us without any sense of comeback or accountability. On social media, people can say anything they wish about you because they never have to look you in the eye. So it is really easy for them to say something It is a direct curse towards you and that attacks who you are. Whilst we live in this kind of culture, it is really important that we here at Gateway make a decision to be different. We will not be that kind of person. We will not be that kind of people. But that we would rather choose to live and move in the opposite spirit and we will bless those people who curse us. So this is what it means to curse. So it's probably important to understand what it means to bless someone. To bless someone is not a phrase that we often hear outside of church and Christian circles. In general, the only time we talk about blessing someone in those situations is when they sneeze. And we say, bless you. When they sneeze, we say it for for some superstitious reason that goes back to the dark ages. It's probably the only time that our culture actually here is it. It is crucial that we understand what it is to bless someone. And if you ever have time to dig through the scriptures or do a Google search, you will find and you will discover that there are a number of slightly different ways that blessing is defined. And here are some examples. To bless someone is to speak well of someone. It is to take delight in a person. It is to speak the intention of God over someone. It is, it is to speak about the good that is in someone. It is to, to declare the f- favor of God over them. Let me say those again. To bless someone is to speak well of someone. It is to take delight in someone. It is to speak the intention of God over someone. It is to speak about the good that is in someone. It is to, to declare the favor of God over a person. This is what it is to bless someone. And when we bless them, even if that person is an enemy or who is against us, it is like we are making some prophetic declaration that this person will experience God's fullest expectation for their life. Dallas Willard says, blessing is a projection of good into the life of another. The projection of good into the life of another. We need to know That when we bless someone with this kind of blessing, that it is not a human thing. It truly is a godly thing. And it is something that comes from God. I, I believe that one of the challenges I believe we have when we consider our theology and how we understand the first few chapters of Genesis, it is often when we read these chapters in Genesis, we primarily think that it's about our sins a story of how we messed up this world how God had created it perfectly and wonderfully. And we read Genesis and we just think, oh, we, we messed it all up. But actually, if we take time to read Genesis 1 and 2, we will see there that firstly, God blesses the world and blesses us. Yes, of course, it is important that we understand our fallen state. It is important that we understand the seriousness and the consequences of our sin. But it is also important that we understand that one of the first things that God does is that he creates us, he creates us in his image, and he chooses to bless us. That's where it all starts. When God looks at us as human beings, it is important that we understand that right to the very core of our being, that we are made by him, we are reflecting his image, and we are blessed, and his blessing is upon each and every one of us. Let me read three verses from Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make humans in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle We need to fully understand that at the very beginning, that at the very outset of the human story, God takes delight in us. God takes delight in you. That God looks at us and that we are very good and then he looks at us and then he blesses you and he blesses me and he blesses us all. See, the reason why this is important is because it is much easier It is far more easier to bless someone else when you firstly know that you are blessed. It's easier to bless someone else when you know that yourself, you have been blessed. It is much easier to even bless our enemies when we know God's blessing is upon us and that He's upon each and every one of us. It is much easier to give something away that you have when you have been given it firstly. This is why it is essential that we need to be, we need to recognize that we are truly blessed. You see, when God's, and Jesus says, bless those who curse you, He's not asking us to do it out of an empty reservoir of our life. He is doing it and asking us to do it out of our knowledge that He has blessed us far more abundantly than we can ever imagine or hope for. Let me illustrate this further from Jesus' life. From the very moment when Jesus hears the blessing of his Father, he then steps into ministry and he blesses those around him. So from the overflow of his Father's blessing, he blesses us. As Jesus' head comes up out of the waters of baptism, in that moment he hears the Father speak a word of blessing over him. You are my Son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I take great delight in you. He hears his father's blessing over his life. And then from that moment on, he blesses others with the words of the father ringing in his ears. If we follow this through, we will discover the first group of people he was to bless actually were children, people who are far more intelligent than me, have done a chronological view of the Gospels. And they have discovered that Jesus, after hearing the blessing of his Father, the first group of people he blesses were children. Mark ten sixteen records this. Then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and blessed them. He spoke the Father's favor over them. He declared the good things that he saw in them. He places his hands on them and blessing. You see, these kind of blessings are the most powerful because they are what we call top-down blessings when a parent blesses a child when a teacher blesses a class when a boss blesses their staff when a ceo blesses the company when a coach blesses the team when the old bless the young a top-down blessing, and it is incredibly powerful. (laughs) Some of you will know that last month I turned 62. And uh, from when I was 60 on, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and reading a lot of articles and doing a lot of research about coming into the evening of my life, which I am. That's not a sad statement. It's just a reality. I'm coming into the evening of my life How do I navigate that? How do I do that well? How do I finish well? These various sources will tell you the choices that you have to make at this time of life. Decisions that will help you be effective, help you be productive, help you to do well and to finish well. One of the books out there talking about this issue says that in the first half of our life, most of us struggle with the commandment, do not commit adultery. Then in the second half of life, people struggle with the commandment, do not commit murder. The writer was saying that in the first half of our life, people struggle very much so with with lust and sex, and in the second half, they struggle with anger, maybe sadness of not having achieved many things that they wanted to. And I know this may sound a huge and massive overgeneralization, but what I have noticed from living my life now coming into the evening of my life is this as people get older they tend to get more angry with the next generation they struggle to place blessing on the next generation maybe they feel threatened by the next generation maybe they feel like they're losing control maybe they feel as if they're not as important so they don't really want to bless the next generation See, that is why Mark 10, 16 is so important because the first thing Jesus does is that he blesses the next generation. See, whilst the disciples are telling people to be quiet, Jesus brings them close to him. He places his hand on them and he blesses them. He hears himself being blessed and then blesses the next generation. He's heard it being told to him and he does it for the next generation. Then from that moment, he goes from place to place, blessing all kinds of different people up until right at the end of his life when something important happens. In Luke uh, 24, verses 50 to 53, it says these words. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. As they worshiped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they continued in the temple blessing God. When he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried into heaven. you are just got to love this. Just got to love this. The last things the disciples see that Jesus was doing was that his hands were raised high on his way to heaven, and he was blessing them. He was taking the last moments of his time with them to bless them. It is no wonder then that the disciples feel motivated to go out and bless the whole world with the message of the gospel because the last thing they saw of their Savior was hands lifted high and blessing them. This may be a cliche. It may sound trite. It may be overused, but I think it's actually very, very true and important that we are blessed to be a blessing. Even when facing an enemy who wants to curse us, we need to move in the opposite spirit and we bring a blessing into the situations that we find ourselves. Even in a culture that is often cynical, pessimistic and sarcastic and critical, we need to bring a blessing. We have received a blessing. So we as human beings who have received the blessing of the Father, we need to be sent out and to bless others. Even to those that we don't like and they don't like us, we don't get to choose that. In order to land this this evening, I just want to look at three components of what blessings look like or how do we bless other people. Very practical ways. What does this look like stuff? First of all, we give blessing by seeing. We give blessing by seeing people. You bless someone when you see them, when you notice them. You take an interest in them. You bless someone when you actually take time to notice them. I think there is almost a prime, primal need in all of us that we want to, that we need to be seen. If you've ever been around children for a short time, you will know and will have noticed that a child in a playground will often shout, "Mummy, Daddy, are you watching me? Are you watching me? Parents, or if you are ever are to become parents, can I advise you on something? And I don't very often give advice on, on raising kids. But when you are with your children, whether at home or at play or in the park or on the sports field, this is what is happening. They are watching you watching them. They are watching you, watching them, because we have this need to be seen. It's not not so much about what they are doing. It's about their need to be seen, and they're asking their parents, their caregivers, to give it to them. There is something built inside of us that we want to be seen, want to be noticed. That is why it is important in the Gospels that they tell us that Jesus saw people, John 5 verse 6 says, When Jesus saw him and knew that he'd been ill for a long time, he asked, Would you like to get well? In amongst the crowd, Jesus saw this man and he noticed him. John 9 1 says, As Jesus was walking alone, I'm sure he could have easily been distracted. I'm sure he could have had his mind on some other things. He saw a man who had been blind from birth. See, on these two occasions, Jesus blesses these individuals because he sees them and notices them whilst in a big crowd. You see someone and you bless them because you are indicating that you're not too busy, that you are not you are not thinking that they're irrelevant. You are indicating by taking your time and noticing them that for that time they are special to you. They feel significant that they are known and that their lives matter to you. My guess is that You have experienced this at some point in your life. Someone spoke to you whom you thought didn't know you, and you responded with a delight, how on earth do they know me? Nobody knows me. Maybe you've had someone say, how are you doing? And they mention your name. That person makes you feel seen. It does so much good to us. How much more exciting then is it that having been seen, that we go out and see other people? You know, if you're in any position of authority, if you have any position of over people that you oversee in any way, start the week by noticing them. We bless them by seeing them. You know, I said this this morning, and I didn't have too many embarrassed kids. But if I'm driving and I'm going past a school or doing anything like that, or even in, in the malls, if I see any of our young people that that I notice that I recognise, I just get on the horn and I blow the horn at them, and they just oh who's the idiot on doing that, and then they see it's me, and then it's like ah oh, they wave. It doesn't happen every day, so don't worry. <laughs> uh, but you know, and they they wave and uh, whatever. I would say that four times out of every five, when I next see that child or that young person or that school person, they say, hey, we saw you in the car. And you know, despite the embarrassment that they had with their kids, the actual delight of being seen outweighs any embarrassment at all. So they go on their way. Hey, you know that guy who stands at the front of church? He saw me. He recognized me. And although they may have been embarrassed, They know that they were seen. Sometimes we are way too busy and we don't see people. Secondly, we give blessing by speaking where we actually call out the good in another person. You tell them how wonderful they are, how good they are and something you appreciate about who they are. Let's go back to that, what we call, the what I call top-down blessing. Speaking to someone that is younger than you everybody here today has someone who is younger than them someone who's not as, as skilled as you someone who's perhaps not as educated as you someone who hasn't had the time to make the mistakes that you have made in some way if we just take time to speak to them we bless them enormously you know i i just felt god said to me a couple of years ago i was at a funeral and uh, i wasn't taking it and a colleague Uh, who I I knew was taking it and did an absolutely amazing job and uh, I text or or rang this person I said I just you know you don't need my adulation but I just thought that you did an amazing job today and I think that person was, was truly blessed you know sometimes we can do it peer to peer colleague to colleague and you know when you speak good about people it doesn't diminish you actually it makes room and we're not going to lose out. Sometimes I thought, oh, if we, if we praise a colleague or speak well about someone who's a peer of ours, or oh, maybe they'll be more popular or get something. That never, ever is going to happen. You know, tell your children, tell your siblings that you are proud of them. If you have a friend in the room, tell them how much they mean to you. If you have a friend who's not in church, who's not here, that doesn't go to church, still tell them. The life that they give you if you are married always speak well of the person that you are married to both in public and in private find your staff if you have any or if you lead any department tell them when they have done a good job that they have done a good job don't let them guess that they have done a good job as a teacher why not speak the intention of god over your class And even those children that you wish weren't in your class but have got to be in the class despite the fact that you don't want them. Speak the blessing of God over them. And if you have an enemy, why not shock them and move in the opposite spirit and declare something good over them? And finally, we bless by sacrificing. We bless when we give something of of ourself that costs us so that the other person can have life. This may be we give sacrificially for somebody. Maybe we give them of our time, of our skill, of our energy. We do something that we give of who we are, that, they, that we feel a loss so that they can experience life. I told this story, let's just say very quickly, one last personal story. One of the most difficult, hardest days of my life was the 24th of August. 2013. It was incredibly difficult. We were about to leave the UK to come to uh, to New Zealand. That wasn't the difficult part of it. We were going to have a few days holiday, and uh, we were saying farewell at the airport to our youngest, to Megan, who was just then 20. Uh, our son was here. She was going to join us when she finished her degree, and at Cardiff, and she was going, uh, said, was going to join us. And um, we were saying goodbye at the airport. And, you know, we all knew the exciting venture that was ahead, ahead, but saying goodbye to your youngest at the airport is one of the most difficult things you, you can do. We'd all decided that this is a family, so that was, nobody was left out. We were going to miss her 21st birthday, which was uh, a few days later, and we were going to celebrate that when she managed to get over at Christmas. <clears throat> that day, my dear, dear friend, my, my number two at that time, did the following... <coughs> He he lived in the north of England and he traveled from the north of England via the two busiest motorways in the UK and in Western Europe from the north to Heathrow to ensure that when we said goodbye, that amongst all the tears, that she wasn't left at the airport all alone, that he was there for her, he took her for lunch, he put her on the train back to Cardiff and he truly blessed her. I have never felt so blessed in my life because of my friend's sacrifice. See, there are three components to blessing people. We see them, we speak something over them, and we sacrifice for them. Jesus says, no man, no greater love is no man than to lay down his life for others or for his friends. Can you imagine doing these three things? Seeing, speaking, sacrificing for people (coughs) who don't like you, the people who don't like you. Imagine the response in their lives. Imagine doing what Jesus asked us to do and blessing those that really annoy us. We don't like, they don't like us, and there's no love lost at all. It is incredibly difficult. It is a tough assignment, and that is why at the very core of who we are that we know that we are blessed and incredibly blessed by God. Because there's only one way that we can operate in the the opposite spirit and bless others if we know that we are truly blessed ourselves and we're living in the overflow of that. Musicians, will you come and join me please? This evening we're going to do something different as we conclude tonight. We want to speak a blessing over as many of you who wish to receive a blessing. Our leadership team and our prayer team this evening will join me in the front. And for about 12 to 15 seconds, we are going to pray a blessing over you. They're not going to pray for you. They don't want to know your prayer requests. They will look you in the eye and they will bless you with a blessing that will bring release to you. And then you'll be released to go back to your seat. The why behind we're doing this. Maybe you're here tonight and you have been living with the wounds that have been spoken over you, spoken about you, spoken to you, spoken to others about you that just weren't true. They simply hurt, they were simply wrong, and because of someone else's cursing and sad words over your life, you have been wounded to the core of your being, and that wound still flares up from time to time. It is that bruise that will not go away. And you still feel that hurt. Perhaps you have been the victim of someone who has attacked your value, your identity, your self-worth, your sense of purpose, even for no apparent reasons. And those words have come to you like a curse. When I was praying yesterday about this morning service, but I was actually praying at this time about this evening service. And I really want to invite you, if you have known the curse of being bullied. If you have been bullied for no apparent reason, that's just the fact that you were the wrong person at the wrong place at the wrong time, or you you have been the object of someone's specific bullying, I would like you to come forward, and we want to bless you, and we want to release that. We want to speak the Word of God into your situation and into your, your area of identity. You know, the source of these words can also bring wounded wounding, such as a parent or a spouse or an ex-spouse, a child or a friend or a teacher or a colleague or a neighbor. We can be wounded by something said about us specifically because someone said it to us who we thought better of. So we want to pray a blessing over you to come against that which has been spoken over you as I said, we're just going to pray a blessing. We're going to ask you to sit down and we just invite people to come, to pray and bless in the opposite spirit. <laughs> if we remember last week, we talked about praying in the opposite spirit. So when someone has an issue with porn or uh, an area of addiction like that, we pray, pray for purity. When someone is suffering with anxiety, we pray for peace. We pray in the opposite spirit, to bless with the opposite so something can take place. You know. We do this so that you can leave the building knowing that you have been blessed by God and that something has been broken through this blessing. But secondly, having been blessed by God, that we will have the courage to go out tonight and into next week and to bless others wherever God has strategically placed us, whoever we are, wherever we go. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website gatewaychurch.org.nz